Hello, nerds. I'm Tony Sindelar, and welcome to the inaugural episode of uh, the Incomparables TV coverage of Batman the Animated Series. How, how does that work? This is a show that was on uh, more than 20 years ago. How can we do a podcast about it now on the TV uh, podcast, which usually covers stuff that just aired? The answer is no one stopped me. So here I am. Uh, this is basically a follow-up to uh, Incomparable 296, where I picked uh, 10 of my uh, favorite Batman the Animated Series episodes and subjected a panel to them. Um, we talked about those episodes and Batman the Animated Series in general. But you know what? This is such a great cartoon that we're back. Uh, and the, the format for this uh, short little podcast project, we're going to do eight episodes. Uh, it's going to be me and a guest uh, who's going to pick an episode that we're going to watch and talk about. And so my guest uh, for today is uh, Lisa Schmeiser. You might know her from the Flash Flashcast, which she does with me, uh, or uh, Phil and Lisa were in the movies, or many other incomparable uh, related podcasting activities or uh, previously.tv recaps. Hi, Lisa. So, uh, Lisa, can you tell me a little bit about kind of what your experience uh, with uh, Batman the Animated Series slash Batman in general is? I know that you are... You are a big comics nerd. We talk about comics a lot, and that was why I decided, you know, if I was going to do a podcast about Batman, I should round up some comics nerds. Uh, you're one of the biggest comics nerds, so I basically I tried to round up like the, my, the three biggest comics nerds I knew for the first three episodes of this, and you you're the first one. So hi. <laughs> so I should start by uh, inserting the caveat that the series first aired when I was still deep in the throes of my um, kill your television phase. And when I was also in college, so that's like a lethal one, two punch. I didn't get to see the episodes when they aired. I've caught, I've caught it piecemeal uh, here and there in the years since. Um, I got a lot more interested in it after I started watching uh, justice league when that series hit in the early two thousands, because I was, um, Ram by that point I was watching TV and I was like, oh my gosh, the aesthetic is so amazing because it's so it's so cartoony without being childish and it's beautiful and clean. And it's got these these great art deco and heroic realism elements and it's really playful and the palette is great. And you're like, oh, you'd have to see Batman because that's where that's where the look and feel came from. And so that was how I got looped into watching more more of the show. Um but uh since I grew up firmly in Camp Marvel, uh I have not been as compelled to track down that many Batman projects. And so uh, honestly, after this, I'm looking forward to going back and revisiting more of the series. And, you know, I mean, you always mentioned that you're, you're, you're in camp Marvel, uh, but like your <laughs> yeah. knowledge of the DC universe is, uh, is pretty expansive for someone who lives in camp Marvel. Like you, <laughs> you know, uh, at least compared to the, even the average nerd, let alone yeah. the average person, uh, pretty, pretty, pretty lengthy details about a lot of DC characters. <laughs> And so the the, the episode uh, we're going to talk about today uh, from Batman the Animated Series is the episode Zatanna. Uh, here's your not, your spoiler free uh, intro to this episode. If you haven't seen it or want to decide whether you see it or not, uh, Zatanna is about uh, the character Zatanna, who is a uh, a magician from Bruce Wayne's past, uh, at, back when he's training to be Batman. Uh, we're going to dive into the episode, so major spoilers for Zatanna. Uh, the episode Zatanna follow. Uh, you've been warned. So um, you are a big fan of the Birds of Prey and the Birds of Prey characters. So is that that was one of the main drives to pick uh, this particular episode. And I'll, I'll admit my ignorance. Uh, I did not know that Zatanna was part of the Birds of Prey. I, only, I guess I kind of only knew the, the, the big three in the Birds of Prey. 
yeah, she, the birds of Fre- um to to veer away from the episode for a minute and just a, a mini primer on the the birds of prey. Um, they had a lineup of the the big three, as you put it, who are Oracle, who pulls it together, Black Canary, um, and Huntress. And uh, the way again, the way the series launches is is Oracle kind of needs a project, and she also is in a wheelchair, so she wants somebody who used to be her who can go out in the streets and and execute on the stuff that she's finding on her her massive computer network black canary at the time was was kind of a hot mess and um just not doing well and so oracle is like okay fine you work for me and in giving you structure and purpose you know but this will hopefully pull you out of your spiral it does and over the course of um the birds of prey dinah becomes you know a better person a lot less self-loathing a lot less confused um uh and then basically the same thing happens with um, Helena, also known as the Huntress. Um, interspersed in there are other women who come and go and get called in on jobs like Fire or Ice, um, who are both characters that have kind of bounced around the DCU since about the 80s. Um, Fire was in a book I like from, I want to say the mid 80s called, uh, it was a Justice League title. And uh, she spends a lot of her time threatening to kill Guy Gardner, which is, you know, understandable. And uh, let's see who else. They had Big Barda in there at one point. Uh, Power Girl has done a few gigs with them. Um, and 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 basic, yeah, you know, a, a lot of weird women with katana swords. <laughs> there, are, there are a lot of characters that fit that description, yeah. right? And then, like I said, and then like I said, Zatanna was in there. But you know, the, I, I think the premise was was basically um, it was kind of the Emily's the Emily's list of them. <laughs> <laughs> of the of the Justice League, where you know, fine, let let the boys go off and and do their things with their hammers and their other planets and what and their whatnots and so forth. We'll stay here and we'll we'll uh, fix what needs mm-hmm. fixing. <laughs> so this uh, this particular episode of the Batman animated series, uh, just to give you a quick recap um, for for people who haven't watched it recently, or to, just to frame where we are, uh, it it is it's all about Zatanna. Um, we get the kind of uh, this episode's got kind of a couple flashbacks in in it where it starts with Bruce Wayne and Alfred are attending a magic show in Gotham, and we get some flashbacks that establish that uh, Bruce Wayne met uh, Zatanna and her father. Zatara, basically when he was training to be like an escape artist uh, as part of his Batman training. he there's the, This is kind of one of two episodes that are about uh, a little bit, and this one less directly so. Uh, there's also an episode where about his kind of training to uh, in his ninja skills. Um, but basically, uh, uh, Zatanna gets, uh, she does a, a magic trick where she makes $10 million disappear, and then is going to make it reappear, and it does not reappear, and she has been framed and Batman uh, teams up with Zatanna to find out uh, who has framed her and take take down basically basically a jerk anti magician. Um. <laughs> yeah, he's like a magician who uses his powers for for crime, yes. which um, <laughs> which actually makes a lot of sense when you think about it. Um, the thing and and yeah, this episode again, my, I haven't read a whole lot of Batman. I don't think that he ever trained as a musician, a uh, musician, as a magician under Zatara. I mean, it's certainly possible that, that he did like in the sixties or seventies back when Zatara was around. But, um, um, I like that they actually have him here, you know, as, as, Oh, I'm John Smith and I'm training and, and Oh, your comely young daughter and her cutoffs is batting eyes at me, but I, I have a man with admission. So off I go. <laughs> the depictions of Bruce Wayne around, uh, mm-hmm. women are women. very, especially <laughs> in the Batman. I mean, 
interesting yeah. and weird in the Batman comics and continuity in general, but I think especially yeah. weird in uh, the Batman animated series because uh, he's pretty unavailable. <laughs> you know, well, it's it's uh, what what was interesting because to bounce forward to the Justice League stuff, like it's really heavily implied that he and Wonder Woman have a thing. Yeah. Like there's there are there are scenes all through that series where. Diana Prince and Bruce Wayne know who each other mm-hmm. is, and that's like at least fifty percent of the attraction. Yeah. And um, there, there's like no subtext; it's all yep. laid out. Um, the only way you could call it subtext is if you're nine <laughs> years old and haven't discovered the big deal about relationships yet. Um, so, what I thought was interesting about this episode is um, the fact that this <laughs> this this healthy, strapping young man is like, I'm into magic, but not women. And <laughs> And 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 then he's still like, well, I do have to help her out because you know I I don't know reasons I guess. <laughs> um, and then at the end of it, like she kisses him and disappears, and it's made abundantly clear that she's figured out who he is and has probably known for most of the episode. And I was really charmed by that ending because one of the things that drives me bonkers about some Batman depictions is how he's this omnipotent, all-knowing. Um, a chess master type guy who is simultaneously the smartest guy in the room and also the most impenetrable and no one ever gets a chance to meet him on his own terms much less beat him blah 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 like it really bugs me when they basically play batman like some kind of jerky greek Mm -hmm. god and i like it what i like about this this episode and other ones i've seen in this series is that batman's very he's a human being and other people are his peers and his equals. And that's really refreshing, especially after a run of movies we've had, like the Christopher Nolan ones, where you've got this dude who is basically not only a freak of biology, but also like an intellectual, you know, supercomputer on top of that. And, you know, it's, it's, I, I feel like the movies have made Batman, um, I feel like they kind of missed the point of him. Um, and, and here we're going to like the ethos of Batman at large, but to me, one of the most enjoyable things about Batman in the stuff that I've read, like Kingdom Come or um, some of the Justice League stuff that Giffen and Mateus did back in the 80s, one of the most, or even in Birds of Prey, Gail Simone writes a good Batman, and one of the things that's the most appealing is he's just a dude. Like, he's a, he's a dude who has access to lots of resources, and he's smart, and he's focused, and, like, he has given himself an incredibly structured life, and thought things through carefully and executed on them. But at the end of the day, no alien gave him a ring. Like no speed force is coursing through his, his veins. He's not a person from another planet. He wasn't created out of clay and breathed life into on some weird single sex Island. Like there is literally nothing about him that is remarkable except his personality and the strength of his character. And I like when that's the Batman that you get, because in a way that's, that's a Batman that I feel like you can identify with when you've got some guy who is basically, um, you know, Christian Bale climbing out of some subterranean prison and then promptly, you know, looking all suave as he runs through Gotham. You're like, no, no. <laughs> yeah. The, the, That's not the same. The guy. Batman yeah. of the Batman animated series is definitely kind of, kind of scaled down a lot. Right. I mean, I mean, even in this episode, I love that. um, which mm-hmm. is, you know, a little bit more mundane, right? We don't have one of the classic rogues gallery of Batman villains. We have this, you know, yeah. jerky anti-magician magician is the villain who he's kind of, he's a Montague, Montague Kane, Kane, is his name. the, the one-off uh, <laughs> yeah. who has a mansion full of traps uh, in, in, on mm-hmm. the outskirts of Gotham uh, and a very fancy plane for one guy to own. Um, but like, 
Well, he's like a professional debunker. Which of apparently magic. pays really well. I mean, I guess he does steal $10 yeah. million, dollars, but also apparently, yeah. presumably, he bought the house prior to that. So it, it's that that pays well. Well, you know. Right, apparently. Yeah, like now that I think about it, I, I honestly feel like the scriptwriters for Now You See Me uh, probably borrowed from this episode super liberally mm-hmm. because, because that movie is basically centered around the same premise, which is, oh, a bunch of magicians somehow actually managed to really steal a bunch of money. And I don't want to do anything and, that would encourage and, anyone to see that movie. So. But you have to admit, it's basically the same plot, where it's magicians are perceived to have stolen money or not, a debunker of magic is somehow involved. And and um, e- either, like, the tropes in the world of magic are really limited, or, or somebody, like, or some writer went on, like, a Batman binge watch, and then was like, have an idea for a movie and let's get that kid uh, jesse eisenberg in it. <laughs> so it's um it's a, it's a it was an enjoyable 22 minutes and um i liked the back and forth between batman and zatanna i like this batman a lot because he treats other people like his peers um and i think if you just wanted to gush about the the, the paul the paul dini verse i guess you could call this like between this show and justice league um one of my favorite episodes of Justice League Unlimited, which we'll be discussing later this summer, on a completely different podcast, is the one where you see um, it's uh, Batman, and I forget which muscle-bound meathead he has with him, but they end up in center in in, in um, on the Flash's turf at, at the Flash's Rogues Gallery Museum, and um, the whole point to the episode is for Batman to show everybody else that yeah, actually the Flash is extraordinarily competent, even though he's like the biggest goofball on two feet. And, you know, I, I, I had always appreciated the uh, repartee between Batman and the Flash in that series. And, and I like how it very obviously has its roots in the way it's characterized in this one. Yeah. I also like what a snide little monster Alfred is. Oh, my he God. He has that great line at the beginning uh, <laughs> where, she, where oh. Bruce Wayne is like, she would never remember me now. And he's like, yeah, intense, driven and moody when you were a kid. Not, nothing at all like you are now. Nothing I also I thought it was kind of funny that like he's sitting in the audience for the magic show and he's still wearing like his... He has to wear his, his, his gloves, like, chauffeur yes. gloves and cap yes. and stuff. And I was just like, really? You, you have to wear that when you're not driving a car, too? That's, I guess that's the life of a bubble. Yeah. But uh, he, <laughs> he, he has some of the, the best lines. This, this particular yeah. episode, I mean, it's, I think it's fun. It's got some great lines. Uh, Zatanna's lines around uh, Bruce, are, uh, or around Batman specifically, I guess, are, uh, are pretty good. Like, she is not intimidated by him at all. Uh, like she has the line where he so Batman you know very quickly busts her out of the the the, the police vehicle that she's being transported in, and she's like you know uh, what do you care about some leggy Damon nylons or did I already answer my own question? Um, question yeah. yeah yeah it's 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 really it's it's crisp and it, it's it's a nice repartee and I really like this Batman like a lot um, the the plot is a little more complicated and convoluted than it needs to be. Because the, the first time I watched it, I was like, okay, whatever. Oh, it's Michael York voicing this. Yay, Michael York. Because, you know, plumbing British tones. Who doesn't love those? Um, but my daughter, who is five and change, was watching it with me the second time. And I, I kept having to explain stuff to her. Like, no, no, this is what, you know, this is what's going on. Or no, they think that Zatanna stole money, but she really didn't. And, and you know, at one point in the middle when they're like in chains about to get tossed out of a plane, you know, I'm, I'm like, oh, and Trixie's like, well... It's going to work out because he's Batman. And I was like, you you have just unlocked the plot of the show. And she's like, but I just don't understand why they're up there doing that. No, that, I mean, there, there are parts, 
this this the plot of this episode is not its strength. Its strength is probably the fun, the amusing dialogue, and it's got several good set pieces, right? Like we've got the magic show. He the, we have the investigation of what happened at the magic show, the death trap in the mansion, and then the, like an extended fight scene on a ridiculous Art Deco plane, right? Like that's those are the key. Especially like I mean I've seen this episode several times, um, and I don't totally understand the like what the like the magic trick part that that they kind of try to explain to the audience like i don't i'm unclear if that actually makes sense but it, yeah like, that's it's i they're they're like oh we're just kind of hand waving it the whole point is first there's money and then there's not and and i was like wait a minute but i suspect that really the, the they're less interested in criminal of the week and more interested in kind of broadening Batman's universe and bringing Zatanna yeah. into it, I think. And so, I mean, one thing that's kind of interesting here, this this version of Zatanna, and I've seen her across a, a bunch of different places, uh, this is a version of Zatanna where she is just a stage magician, right? Whereas there are lots of versions of ma- most other versions I'm familiar with, like, she is an actual, like, magic user who can, like, do spells with, you know, arcane arts and whatnot, right? Um, yeah, like her, bi- like her big shtick is that she talks backwards. That's how she does her magic. And if she, uh, so she can, she can speak any spell and uh, channel the magic of the DC universe if she can just figure out how to say something backwards. And uh, it's a weird gimmick, but, <laughs> but you know, um, uh, again, and I would have to ask you, I don't know. Does it ever come up in the Batman animated series pre-Justice League that magic is actually a thing that exists in, in, in the rules and laws of that universe? I don't think so. I'm thinking really hard about that. Uh, yeah. I don't think so. I mean, I think, well, I mean, I guess, I mean, do the Lazarus pits count as magic? Um, that's probably uh, like the closest, yeah. right? Uh, yeah. And that we've got, you, you have these immortal, uh, you had the the immortality of the Lazarus pits. That's I think that is the closest, but I don't think there's anything magic per se. Whereas other parts of the DC universe and like and what's confu- a little bit confusing because there is this link between like Batman the animated series and the Justice League uh, and Justice League Unlimited, but they're not quite the same universe because Zatanna is in a couple episodes of those and she's just she's a magic user, right? She's not just a stage magician. Um, so it's kind of like they didn't worry about continuity with this version. So I think that, you know, the stage magician version of her, I guess, kind of fits into the Batman animated series um, setting okay uh, in terms of I, I don't think there's any other straight up like this is magic. Um, or at least it's it's kind of fuzzy around the edges with things like the Lazarus pits, because um, I think they I don't think we even see anyone like like Solomon Grundy or, or any anything like that. Um, I, I I think probably the big steering the kind of turning point was um, I have not seen all of it, but uh, I think magic comes up a lot more in the Superman animated series because they kind of establish the idea that like. You know, that is an, the one of the vulnerabilities Superman has is that, you know, people who use magic are a threat to him. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, so, yeah, it's uh, I like that she's just a stage magi- magician here. And again, she's a lot like Batman uh, in the sense that she has a set of skills that aren't supernatural or, or out of this world. And um, I like that it expands his universe that mm-hmm. way. Because actually, that's like another one of my criticisms of the extended Batman universe, and one of the challenges of it too, is you always have these villains who have these these origin stories where they're somehow bestowed with uh, crazy otherworldly, you know, abilities, 
and they're going up against a guy who's just very rich and very focused. <laughs> and you're like, how is this supposed to work? Wait, what? But um, this this episode is kind of on equal footing. Yeah. It's just him against another mm-hmm. rich jerk. Uh, yeah, you know. yeah, and Montague, and and the thing is, is is because Montague was just focused on the money mm-hmm. and uh, did not think through things like, oh, I live in Gotham, which is actually patrolled by a large <laughs> bat-eared vigilante. Like to leave that out of your plans is really an unforgivable oversight. Yeah. Like this, this is actually the thing that that baffles me about Gotham in general is. Why would you still have that much crime? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like after a while, you would think that like the, the examples and object lessons would pile mm-hmm. up. You yeah, know, don't steal ten million dollars mm-hmm. here. Go down the road. Um, go somewhere. You exactly. Know? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. It. It. You know. I. I guess he's just driven by greed. He's got to buy those. That. That giant. His giant air wing plane doesn't buy itself. Um, you yeah. Know. He <laughs> did. Giant. I did feel like he did not. He has two henchmen, and I felt like those were. Some are the. I feel like those could have been downsized. Yeah, I felt like they were the dumbest. Hen- like I feel like he's not paying top dollar for those henchmen because those were those henchmen. I mean, they were relatively loyal, but they were not mm-hmm. your top quality henchmen. Um, I mean, if only there's a scene where Batman is out on like literally on like the wing of the airplane, and they go mm-hmm. out on the wing <laughs> of the airplane to fight Batman with like power tools, and it's like. No, I would never do that. I'm not going to fight Batman. Yeah. I'm not going to go onto the wing of an airplane to fight Batman. I am not going onto the <laughs> wing of an airplane. Um, but they're, they're, no. they're loyal. <laughs> no, I, I. So the 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 bonkers Adam West series, like one of my favorite content, one of my favorite conceits in that is the henchmen are actually always dressed in black, with little black T-shirts that have the words henchmen written across them in white letters. And I've always just enjoyed a the uniform that clearly identifies them as henchmen, <laughs> and b the fact that they're always bumbling and incompetent because you you can't have henchmen that are too competent because if they're that competent, then it raises the question of why are you henching. Mm-hmm. Like, why are you not off running a gang instead? You know, henchmen should, by definition, be the guys who are too dumb to effectively solve problems by mm-hmm. themselves. <laughs> you don't ask questions. You just walk out onto the air, onto the wing, holding a giant wrench yeah. and, and hope everything works out. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. No, no. So, so it was, you know, it was what was interesting is, um, and I didn't realize this was, but how raw the animation looked and felt, how raw and how slow. Yeah. I mean, it, it is, it is dated. Um, and um, like, I really hadn't realized like how much of an impact vector graphics and animation had had on animation. Cause um, it's beautiful. Don't get me wrong. I love the look and feel and I like the palette. I love the, I love the shapes of the people. Um, it's, it's a fun and distinctive look, but Holy cats, my eyes have really gotten used to, um, the digitally smoothed. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I went through and took a bunch of like screen caps of stuff and it's like, yeah, they don't screen caps of it. Don't, they don't look great. Uh, and it just, it's, it shows its age. Right. I mean, this was, it's fuzzy. It's, yeah. It was not uh movie quality animation and it's, it's quite old. It was for, for TV. And it's, mm-hmm. I mean, I think the character design is amazing and the animation is, is, you know, I think it was great for the time, but it, it really shows its age. Um, and it, it it does not have that crispness that um, that you might you would see even in you know the Justice League which came t- ten years later basically right um, yeah no it's like yeah it's it it was again it was really startling to see it because at first I was like wait what is I, I bought the best possible quality off of Apple TV and then I was like oh, this is the source yeah. material and um, come to think of it we're um, going through season one of the Tick with my daughter and we're mostly watching that off YouTube because. Um, 
for reasons known only to ugh, I don't even know who um you can't buy you can't you can't buy digital downloads of mm-hmm. the tick and um the animation there like the first episode or two I kept taking off my glasses to clean them and <laughs> blinking my eyes because I was like do I have glaucoma what's going on and then I realized it's it's the quality of the I feel like this is like a like a like a feature that like your brain has is that uh, as someone who watches uh, a lot of old animation and like plays old some old video games yeah. it's like your mind mm-hmm. does a lot of like sharpening in in your memory yeah. from and adding Christmas and detail that wasn't there <laughs> you know because <laughs> so. yeah when i when I started rewatching all these recently uh it was like wow these were these these looked nicer in my head um yeah yeah but, i mean i think it's still great uh but it is it is mm-hmm. yeah it's 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 shown its age a little bit um yeah so which i enjoyed um because again it's it's also if you're not looking at this stuff constantly it's also fascinating to see um how visual standards have evolved and, and, in, and in what ways too, like I get the same thing when I'm watching older sitcoms as well, or older, older dramas. Like, um, I can remember watching E. Sorry. Tell me how old I am. I can remember watching ER when it first debuted in school. And, um, because by that point I was back on, I was on the TV wagon, like both feet. And I remember watching that and it was, it was just so fast paced and oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And then like when TNT was airing it and I sat down and watched an episode, you know, I was like, God, this is glacial because because <laughs> the pace the pace of dramas like the quick cuts and the scenes have gotten so much punchier and so much so so much quicker in the past twenty years. You know, now when you watch shows from the seventies and eighties and they have like these long lingering shots of Tom Selleck like like cleaning a canoe or something, you're like, why? What? What? What is the point of this? Am I supposed to meditate? <laughs> So it, it is always interesting to see how these things uh, evolve and change and what they look like and how they fit in. Uh, I mean, I, th- I think the Batman anime series holds up pretty well. Uh, it helps that it's animated. It's short. I mean, these episodes are they're 22 minutes, and that's with the opening uh, a- animation and credits. So it's it's really just... I was really surprised by how yeah, punchy they it just, was. They, they, they move pretty quickly, right? Um, mm-hmm, yeah. And, you know, and, it, and given who the, the, the content area and who the target audience is, they do. I mean, there's a lot of uh, action set pieces uh, with mm-hmm. a little bit of talking to get you between them. Uh, and you know, I think they're pretty imaginative about the set pieces. I mean, some of them are ridiculous. Like, it, you know, why does this crazy guy have a you know a a, a, a tape playing the welcoming people into his uh, his little den and then a, a spike trap? Oh, like, you yeah, know what? Like, and, and just, there's just the du- and there's like the go with it. Just you know, of course, everybody has like. <laughs> A, a faceless dummy in a chair to weird people out right before they get dropped into what is this effectively a um an iron uh, maiden yeah. it's what why, why not you know what? Just don't leave <laughs> although clothes. my daughter was freaked out by the my, my daughter was freaked out by the by the by the faceless yeah. dummy and i i had to explain that i was like no no it's it's not a person it's a recording and like much more freaked out by that than she was by the fact that they were in the the the, the spiky room that was closing because she's like, oh, this is just like in Star Wars. They'll find a way to make the walls stop moving. And I was like, yes, yes, they will. Yeah. I've done it's my job. The, it's not the last episode of Batman. It's only, yeah. only ten minutes long. This one. Um. <laughs> that would be like both a great and a ter- terrible way to end a series where you know it, it's. <laughs> supposed to be mm-hmm. like it's the series finale this is gonna be so great and then it ends after 10 minutes with them dead mm-hmm. <laughs> i kind of wish they had uh let i mean let zatanna do a little bit more um i mean i feel like this is the you know it is nice that they have this uh 
established DC female character that they're adding to it. And, and you know, she, she does a decent amount and she's definitely kind of driving the action. Uh, and she gets, she gets the kind of, she punches out the bad guy at the end. Like she gets the, like to collar him uh, effectively. Um, but there, there is still kind of, uh, I mean, she's, she's kind of a damsel in distress a lot. Um, it, it would have been nice to see her kind of uh, kick more butt. Um, um, but it, it, I guess that is, that is the, the downside of the, you know, She's well, doesn't the, she come back in a later episode? I think not in the Batman animated series. Um, oh, she comes back in in Justice yes. League. I know and that. And there she is, like a, you know, a magic user. She's zapping people. Yeah. And she plays a yeah. um, a major role. I, rec- I I enjoy if you if you know if you if you like Batman the animated series and you like Justice League, um, Young Justice, which is also uh, is on Netflix streaming, is pretty good. She is, I believe, in the second season of that. Um, which is there's some confusing thing in terms of whether you try and map it to other DC continuity because like she's like a kid because uh, the premise of Young Justice is it's like Kid Flash and uh, effectively Kid Aquaman and Red Arrow or, or Arsenal or Speedy um, and you know basically all of the kind of sidekicks and Robin uh, are you know kind of the Junior Justice League and she is basically the magic user on that team. Um, and, which is kind of fun. So wait, isn't Young Justice the one that kind of jumps forward in time from season to season? Uh, yeah, there is a ju- there's only two seasons of it, yeah. and there is kind of a jump from uh-huh. season one to season two. Um, so like some okay. of the characters mm-hmm. grow up, and I think Robin gets like uh, mm-hmm. bumped up to Nightwing uh, and things like that. Um, yeah, it, it's okay. Oh, Nightwing! Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. He's got a mullet because uh, he has to. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Uh, yeah, I, I have feelings about Dick Grayson, but again, they, they're, they're mostly influenced by Birds of Prey stuff and, and his, his terrible, terrible relationship with Oracle. So <laughs> I don't, I don't know about his terrible relationship with Oracle and, and Birds of Prey. Is it, yeah. it's not good. I saw he recently appeared in a, uh, uh, a Batgirl issue that I just read in the, the new line of yeah. Batgirl where he basically like crashes her friend's wedding, <laughs> which is like, <laughs> oh, that seems about it's, right it seemed like so, it, there was the implication in the in the comic that that was like that's how he does it and 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 yeah though she like goes on a little adventure with him she's basically like you gotta uh-huh. stop doing this so uh. okay yeah so no we we uh picked up there there are now batgirl dolls at target because the new dc animated series that's aimed towards younger kids it's like dc it's like superhero high or something and it's got supergirl and um Batgirl and Poison Ivy and Wonder Woman and um, oh gosh uh, Harley Quinn and then another one who looks like a Bumblebee who I think they introduced solely for like she's the, in Young the, Justice the too uh, I forget her name okay um, yeah but yes I, I know the character you're thinking of so yeah they they seem to have made just made Barbara very smart and very nerdy in in that as well and uh, that that fortunately is a Dick Grayson free zone so far <laughs> but. Um, I, I have to admit, I haven't kept up on my, my whole Batgirl thing because um, I kind of got burned out on reading DC again in the 2000s after Identity Crisis was over. And I was like, this is it. This is this is how it's going to be. Uh, you know, like, I, I want to emphasize, like, I bought the 52. Mm-hmm. Like, the, they had that weekly series, 52. And I bought that, like, even with the stupid crocodile person who, like, goes crazy around episode 22. And um, <laughs> issue 22. And I tried to figure out what in the heck Maxwell Lord was doing. And there was all this stuff going on. And by the end, I was like, you know what? I've wasted a year of my life trying to trying to figure out how this is all going to shake out. Uh, no, I'm tapping out. I will buy trades and I'm done. So, like, back in the 2000s, like, they had introduced a Batwoman, mm-hmm. which they were stressing was very different from, like, Batgirl. And she was a woman. The Batwoman loved the women. Um, 
I think she had a thing with the question for a while. And that was when I, you know, had started fading out of DCU. So I'm not clear. Like there's another, like there's no Oracle anymore, I guess. And Barbara Gordon has been de-aged or Barbara Gordon's back is Batgirl or, or like, what is going on? So in, Cause they, they, they had the, they had the spunky yes. cute Batgirl with like the, the knee high yellow boots and she's adorable. I don't know how you get from point A to point B. I, I've, cause I started reading at point B uh, in point B. Uh, so the new 52 Batgirl, which I've read uh, a couple trades worth of um, Batgirl, like, or Barbara Gordon moves to like, you know, the Brooklyn equivalent of Gotham, which I don't think existed before they needed it for this comic, but she's like across the bridge in like the hipster neighborhood. And she is a, in graduate school for library science and she has all kinds of uh, cool friends and it's still near Gotham. So bad stuff happens. And she has her back row, uh, her cool uh, back row outfit and deals with problems as they arrive. Um, so it's kind of, you know, there are a couple other titles I'm reading that are similar to this where it's like, it's in the Gotham world and like, you know, occasionally like Batman will flip by or somewhere, but, but it's kind of, you know, it's Batman without Batman, which is, you know, it's, it, that kind of works for me. <laughs> so there, you know, there, I am forgetting the details of it. Um, there is a storyline, something where there's the idea that like, and I, I don't know how they go from her uh, being in the wheelchair to being Batgirl again, how they go from Oracle to Batgirl. Because uh, at some point there's something where it's like she has some kind of memory that's been wiped or supplanted or something. So there's something comic booky with continuity that connects those dots. Um, but she certainly seems like, you know, she's like in her early 20s and, you know, living living in the hipster lifestyle. Um, and Yeah, because she definitely doesn't have the, the baggage that the old Barbara Gordon Batgirl Oracle Batgirl again, I guess, when they, because they took her out of the wheelchair a couple of years ago, and that was awful, you know, because she was one of DC's few represent, re- representations of, of differently abled people, and, you know, oh, that's gone now, but um, I, I don't know how they got from one point to another, I'm still confused as to whatever actually happened to Batwoman, um, when I look on Wikipedia, there's like three different women named Kate, who are all involved somehow, and I'm like, you know what, it's, it's too much trouble. I I spend a lot of I already live in a world where I spend a lot of time explaining Jean Grey to people I don't need to you know (laughs) I feel like I spend a lot of time reading Wikipedia articles trying to sort out comics continuity and it's usually not there's not easy answers so yeah Um, Mm -hmm. and so it's just a question of whether it's whether it's worth the trouble or not um yeah yeah. comics they're well they're they're modern mythology Mm -hmm. um and I know people disagree about like like I've read a lot of uh, essays back and forth in this recently, especially with the whole Captain America stuff going on, which I won't spoil for anybody because I'm not that much of a monster. But um, I've read essays back and forth about how like fan interaction with comics is our way of rebuilding the mythology and so on and so forth. But, you know, no, mythology has almost always been, you know, uh, been told by people who were promoting a pretty specific message that was explicitly sanctioned by a power structure. And um, I mean, you know, those, 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 those bards that were, in in Norse tribes were certainly you know not like wily freelancers running against the running against the leader and um like in this case i i sort of feel like our national myth is pretty closely tied up with superheroes and we just kind of reinvent them every decade and if that means having like three extraneous kates and a really confusing bat family thing going on then so be so it, it. <laughs> yeah i i do love the bat family stuff though um i forget which one I'm trying to remember, like, if it was actually something I ended up reading, like, on Tumblr one night where 
somebody actually like extrapolated the whole idea of the bat family and all of the you know for for like a, a fierce loner who's all about how how people killed his parents like batman does seem to have erected kind of an ersatz family around him like dick grayson and tim kane i think is the new robin or was a new robin at some point uh, the most recent robin i think is damian wayne um yeah so there's that yep. too and then there's there's Batgirls and bat yeah. women and uh, no, there are some <laughs> and oracle you know, there are some <laughs> weird threads in the the new 52 batman uh, like there is a there is a scene uh, in one of the recent Batman comics, recent being you know last mm-hmm. five or six years, uh, where like Batman, where Bruce Wayne like has a family portrait uh, done, mm-hmm. and like people are pissed about who is and who is not in the portrait, right? Because because not all the Robins are in it, right? Uh, yeah, you know. Well, wasn't there like a Robin that people hated so much they called in to have him yes. killed? Like this is back before free and abundant phones. And he comes yeah. back later as basically kind of a villain slash ruthless mm-hmm. vigilante called the Red Hood, right? Um, of course he yeah, did. And he takes on the Red Hood name that was going mm-hmm. around in the DC world for a while. So like, yeah, right. basically for like, it turns out when that's part of your family and you choose not to put him in uh, your family portrait, mm-hmm. he gets mad. Um, so um, yeah, you know, they, yeah. Bruce Wayne, not always, I mean, like great that he takes a lot of, uh, like, a lot of kids in and, you know, gives them access yeah. to education and wealth that they would not normally have, but I don't know how great a father mm-hmm. he is. So. Well, what's really funny is um, Kevin Smith's Green Arrow run when they revived Green Arrow from the dead. Um, look it up, kids, it happened. And uh, bring him back and all that. There is a point where, you know, he's, t- I forget who he's monologuing at, but like he's looking back at stuff from the 70s where he's like, I don't know what Bruce and I were thinking with having these young kids run around with us all the time. Like, like who thought that was a good idea? <laughs> And I do enjoy that meta commentary. Um, I mean, it's spectacularly useless because if it's one thing that both DC and Marvel do is they love throwing children into the line of danger. But you know, just for a moment, somebody was self enough aware to be like, yeah, this is probably a thing that, 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 you know, like when you see it in real life, you're usually like, this is going to end on a newscast, you know, <laughs> you know, like, like we have child protective services for a reason. So. Well, I'm like thinking there was that, do you remember that, that, and again, wow, this is just like return to the audience. Um, there was that sniper pair that terrorized the DC area in 2001. And it was a dude and his, his, his teen protege, you know? So like in real life, that's how it shakes out. They don't put on outfits and, and say great Gotham's ghost and stop crime. That's not how it works. Yep. <laughs> so. Cool. So we've covered so, a lot. Yeah. Uh, are there any we have. Are there other things related to uh, <laughs> Batman, Zatanna, or this episode in specific that we, we should check in on? I feel like I should just say that Kevin Connery is my favorite Batman. That, that is the right answer. So Especially yeah. on this podcast. I was going to say, I, I wasn't sure if that was a controversial take or not, but... Um, if we had to ever do like lightning round of Batman versus Batman, I would, I would back Kevin Conroy. I, I think that, you know, you would have to ha- come with some really compelling evidence to, uh, to persuade me mm-hmm. any other way. Uh, he is certainly my Batman. Um, and uh, you know, it's as, as a big fan of Batman, uh, I'm not a big fan of all the, I mean, there are some Batman movies I enjoy and there are some, mm-hmm. uh, that I think it would be challenging for me to enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> no yeah. matter how much I try, uh, so yeah, Ke- Kevin Conroy, and it, it you know, I, I, I don't know if you, how much Kevin Conroy Batman you've experienced. He's a lot of Batman too. I mean, I mean yeah, and, he does. And he's even he's Batman in the uh, the Batman video games, some of which are good and some yeah. of which are not good. Um, See, no, no experience there whatsoever. No. I just know him from the TV stuff. The Batman video games are kind of weird because they they have a lot of the uh, kind of 
you know, they have Mark, they get Mark Hamill and they get Kevin Conroy. Um, but then the character designs are very, they kind of look like uh, Todd McFarlane character designs where like basically oh. like all the men characters are just giant slabs of beef and all of the women characters <sighs> are super sexualized with the same body type. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh. video games, um, you know, yeah. but yeah, it, it, they are really bad. <laughs> so, or at least I do not care for this aesthetic at all. Um, yeah. But yeah, but it is, it is still Kevin Conroy doing the voice and he's, he's going to do, uh, he's the voice in the killing joke animated thing, which I don't know why they're making, yeah. but they are. Um, so yeah. 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 No. Um, the only other thing I would say is, is right now, um, I just watched Batman year mm-hmm. one, the, the DC animated film, which, um, I guess it's basically the same creative team that also made the flashpoint, uh, movie that we're going to discuss and uh there the young bruce wayne who who was turning who who was making his debut as batman um is is voiced by benjamin McKen- ben mckenzie mm-hmm. um you know who we all know as gordon yeah. on on um i almost said gordon on got on on the oc which is absolutely wrong we know it was jim gordon on, on on gotham and uh it was weird um he sounds very young compared to kevin conroy mm-hmm. so you know and Perhaps part of that is because Batman emotionally is like 105 years old. So, <laughs> yep, he's seen yeah. some things. Um, yeah, I, th- there's a. I, I remember at some point I watched like a YouTube video of Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill doing uh, dialogue uh, for Batman the animated series or one of the animated uh-huh. movies, and it's it's unsettling. Like my head can't like make sense of it because it's like, why is no, I why can... is like Batman's voice coming out of this person? This doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I can't. Yeah, I I don't know. Like, I I don't like watching um, people do animated stuff at all. Like, that's just a thing. Um, for example, like I think it's if like I read the little line. Oh, Vin Diesel did all of you know I'm Groot in in several foreign languages because he didn't want to be dubbed over. Like, that's great. I'm glad he did it. I never want to see the footage of it. Just like you know, I was like, oh, you should watch Bradley Cooper voice. Um, you know, the raccoon. No, I never want to see Bradley Cooper voicing the raccoon. Um. I never want to see anybody doing the voice work for any cartoon ever, ever, ever. Like, uh, uh-uh. I don't want to see these guys who are probably like in their sweats, holding a Starbucks <laughs> cup, you know, looking at a marked up script and looking at Andrea Romero for voice direction. I don't want to see any of it. I want to pretend that the voices are coming out of the actual cartoons and that's it. <laughs> Works for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Keep the wizard behind the curtain. Yeah. <laughs> So I want to thank you for having me on this. This was a lot of Thanks, fun, and I, I enjoyed stretching my I enjoyed stretching more into another corner of the DC universe. Yeah. You you know you are one of the biggest comics nerds, so it seemed like a great place to start. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you for the the, the compliment. I yeah. Appreciate it. <laughs> um, so thank you very much for joining us uh, on this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You know may, maybe you'll go check this episode out if you haven't already. Uh, you can hear mm-hmm. a lot more of Lisa on various podcasts. Uh, I personally am <laughs> a fan of uh, Phil and Lisa ruin the movies. That's a it's a great uh, uh, great po- podcast where uh, uh, Lisa and her husband Phil uh, review trailer basically evaluate movies uh, based on the trailer. <laughs> we pre-review movies. Um, we judge them ruthlessly after just sixty seconds. Yes, it's great. Um, I know everything. I feel like I need to know about the purge based on that podcast. Um, so. <laughs> That poor movie's going to have so much to answer for. Yep. <laughs> First its own existence and now ours. <laughs> and you can also catch uh, Lisa covering uh, The Flash episode by episode on The mm-hmm. Flash Fastcast. I can't recommend that podcast. I, I do not care for yeah. it. Um. 
but but it is available. <laughs> and uh, I think with that, uh, we'll close this yeah. inaugural episode out. Uh, there will be mm-hmm. more to come, including some uh, some episodes with uh, some of your favorite or my favorite incomparable people, and some people that are not uh, established incomparable people. So look forward to that, and look forward to a lot more uh, chatting about Batman. Uh, goodbye, nerds. On the next episode, Jeremy Goldstein and I discuss the Batman animated series episode, Showdown.